Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. You know, the two things that most married couples fight over are sex and money. And the thing that they have in common is how personal these topics are. Now, money isn't just dollars and cents, but what that, but what money actually means to each partner. And, you know, sex is a bit more obviously personal because you are never more vulnerable than when you are literally and figuratively naked with your partner. And while the physical mechanics of sex may be fairly straightforward, the emotional aspect can create difficulties that many couples aren't prepared for. So today we're going to be taking a deeper dive into what real intimacy health is. And to help answer some truly important questions, I'm pleased to welcome women's intimate health expert, Dr. Carolyn DeLucia. So Dr. DeLucia, Carolyn, thank you for coming on and talking about what is, you know, such a personal topic, but we actually need to be talking about it. Absolutely. And I want to thank you so much for giving us this platform in which to voice this message. I'm telling you, the need for intimacy has never been more obvious. After Mm -hmm. this COVID type of quarantining and people were either together too much and rediscovered (laughs) intimacy or we're alone and missed and craved a simple hug. Intimacy is never more in, in the forefront of our lives. Right, and there's a lot of people who equate intimacy with sex. And actually, you can have non-intimate sex, I mean, at least emotionally non-intimate sex. Um, and a, intimacy covers so much more than that. And it's, you know, and you mentioned just I mean, there are research studies that show how important touch is. I mean, I think this is one of the reasons why so many um, of the older people died because they were isolated and and people couldn't, you know, it, it, it was just horrible. It was absolutely awful. Absolutely. And that is such a valid point that people need personal, intimate touch. And it doesn't have to be outright sex, although we love that, but just (laughs) nothing wrong with that. (laughs) A simple caress, a simple hug, holding hands, snuggling, rubbing each other's feet, sitting on a sofa and watching TV next to each other. Uh, Mm -hmm. Friends, family, lovers all need this so desperately and there's nothing more basic than the hormone oxytocin that gets released our bonding hormone when you hold a baby at the first time and all of the oxytocin release and that is the same bonding hormone that's released with a simple hug if you hold someone for 20 seconds and that's the Uh secret you can release oxytocin and form a bond so it's as simple as that. Yeah, that was that was one of the things. I actually, um, my neighbor, who's actually a friend of mine, we actually saw each other in the grocery store, you know, all masked up and everything. We hadn't seen each other for months, and we went, 
oh heck, we just gave each other a big hug. I mean, because it was like, yeah. I'm sorry. You know, we just needed to do that. And both of us actually are married and live with our partner, so it wasn't like we were missing physical touch in that way, but we just missed physically touching each other because we're both huggers. So, but I want to get back to this, to this really important question about um, intimacy and, and women because I know that that's what you do. So what are some common intimacy issues that women experience? Well, the most important thing is that throughout our lives, bodies will change. And mm-hmm. there are different experiences that aid in that change, such as carrying a pregnancy or mm-hmm. having a child vaginally and or by cesarean section. There are physical changes that occur. And women suffer with a change in self-esteem following childbirth. There might be stretch marks on their abdomen, on their breast, on their mm-hmm. thighs. Change that the body takes just from carrying the pregnancy. <laughs> then from childbirth, the stretch, the laxity of the vagina, and the change in the vaginal tissues, which they may not even have realized could happen, and mm-hmm. urinary incontinence can occur, or just a loss of sensation for the woman, in addition to her partner, not quite feeling as much friction when mm-hmm. they're being intimate. So that's just the beginning. And then hormonal changes kick in. There's more. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, on some level, it's a simple system that's very complicated. And, and in a lot of cases, this information isn't passed on. It's really interesting because my children, I tell people I don't have children, I have adults. Um, they're full grown. And one of my friends, um, who, you know, we work out together, and she had her first baby, I guess, two years ago, and she's pregnant again. And then she was telling me about this this thing called a pelvic floor specialist. And it was like, who knew, right? Because that wasn't <laughs> anything I was told when Correct. I had children. Um, you know, and, and, and it was like, wow, you can take care of all these things. Um, you know, and, and so it's, I think there were just, you know, information, just a kit amazingly enough in the internet age there's information that we don't necessarily have access to because we don't even know it exists so how do women find out about these things kind of i mean yes we find out about them after we've had babies but not nobody's talking about it beforehand other than doctors like you oh it's so sure you tell your patients yes and i've been on my soapbox for for the past 10 years where this whole non-invasive way of treating these conditions has come to the forefront i think a lot of women figure and a lot of doctors don't even ask how are things going in the bedroom are you losing mm-hmm. urine with or a sneeze because they honestly felt they couldn't do anything about it. But with the advent of new tools, non-invasive devices and procedures, there are ways to treat these conditions and bring back a ultimate return to function, which is the most important 
same. And keeping that intimacy going with a empowerment and confidence coming from the woman, that's very sexy to a man. And when you have sexual confidence, it's a big connection with a male partner. Mm-hmm. So... So we're, you know, so so we're talking about this that if you know, you know if if women are lucky enough to have somebody like you as a doctor, or you know, if I were younger and my my friend had told me about this, you know, before I was before I was a child, I mean, before I had my own children. Um, but mm-hmm. you, you talk about these things, and you talk about these things that that people can do, and and the changes that happen over time, which again is a really critical thing because just aging changes us. Forget whether or not we've had yes. children or not, but that definitely changes. And, you know, I mean, and again, it's, I think if people had information and knew what to expect, because I remember um, after I had my, my first child and I was talking to my best friend who, who, had, who had two children before me, and I said, am I ever going to want to have sex again? And she goes, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just, it was lack of desire, not that I didn't want to be with my husband, but it was just kind of like, you know, my my son was not even six months old, and I was still breastfeeding, and so it was like, yeah, I just, I mean, and then, of course, we have the, after six weeks, you can go ahead and have sex, and I'm going, who's telling women this? <laughs> because, I mean, we might physically be able to, but emotionally or you know, we're not necessarily there. So, so what, what is it that p- women actually need to know about um, being intimately healthy? Well, I think that a lot of the changes that occur in life are hormonal. When you're mm-hmm. breastfeeding, you have a predominance of progesterone. And when you have a predominance of progesterone, there can be a lack of libido or interest. And that can have an impact. As we age and menopause sets in, at that point, the lack of estrogen to the tissues begins to change the vaginal wall to make it extremely dry and uncomfortable. And Mm -hmm. when that's uncomfortable, it makes it almost impossible to tolerate. And if it's hurting, then the woman is going to be avoiding intimacy, and her partner will take it the wrong way many, many Uh times, acting like, oh, my God, you don't want me anymore. You don't love me anymore. And it almost makes, in some women who really are unprepared, it can make them think that this is the case. Oh, maybe I don't love him anymore. That's what's happening? And it it really usually is not, and it comes down to, being all about the lack of estrogen and testosterone. And by replacing these hormones in a bioidentical fashion, we can maintain intimacy and an overwhelming sense of well-being and optimizing aging health. So that is absolutely critical. And, of course, the FDA comes into play, making (laughs) it more and more difficult for doctors to prescribe 
bioidentical hormone therapy and they're trying to regulate that and that's just a crime because nothing returns our feeling of normality or premenopausal state as keeping a steady state of these essential hormones, which then will, instead of making, and I love for men to be aware and sensitive to the fact that their partner will feel like they're having sex with a hairbrush, not male <laughs> anatomy. <laughs> and when that first happened to me, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, it was horrible. So um, there are hormonal ways to treat this, and there's also uh, devices like lasers or radio frequency devices that can improve vaginal lubrication and allow tolerance of intimacy and actual back to enjoyment and participating willingly and loving it. Well, you know, in... You said something earlier that actually kind of prompted um, something that I hear, I, I've heard in my practice, not not frequently, but on occasion, and it has to do with um, how it's presented to me. I don't believe that's what's happening, but how it's presented to me is now that I'm a mother, you know, mm-hmm. Sex, sex isn't, you know, mothers don't have sex, which of course is, well, how do you think you became a mother? But I'm wondering if that some of that might have to do with the huge changes, both, both hormonally and, and actual physical changes that happen when you're pregnant, after you have the baby, like we were talking about the hormonal changes about, about not wanting to, not necessarily having high desire for sex, that I'm wondering if if this is a story that we either tell ourselves or we've picked up or or women have picked up on the street, so to speak. I cannot deny that for a minute. I think that so many women say, oh, and, and even men make jokes. Oh, yeah, I got married. We're not having sex anymore. You know, yeah. I got, and that's a very sad type of thought pattern because it doesn't have to be that way and it shouldn't be that way and uh, I'm sure you encourage couples I encourage couples to get away and mm-hmm. be at on and reconnect so that they are aware of what made them fall in love in the first place and to rekindle those feelings on a regular basis and uh, I think the biggest mistake is saying, well, we're now a family. We have to be with the kids whenever we can. So many families have both partners working, and mm-hmm. with that, they feel like they have to spend every free moment with their children because they feel guilty about the time they've been away. But that uh-huh. should never, ever take the place of the intimate connection that they have with each other. And well, I, that's so key. Yeah, and, and I love that. And, and, it, and it's also one of those things where when, and, you know, co-sleeping, where, where the babies and the children are actually sleeping in the same bed with their parents, I think, I mean, while I understand why people do that, 
I, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I realize you could, because people will throw out, well, in such and such a country, they do this. And it's like, I get that. <laughs> I mean, right. it, it may be cultural, but, but, you know, I do think that it can create that, create that distance or, or the only hat you're wearing is the parent hat as opposed to the partner hat. Yes. I can't agree with you more. And again, dangerous because it'll put a wedge between you. You begin to drift apart like two planes in the air. And when that distance gets far enough away and the kids are grown and leave, you turn around and look at each other and say, who are you? (laughs) Yeah, that's that's what I tell people. It's like, who are you and what are you doing in my kitchen? (laughs) (laughs) Let alone my bedroom. Right. Exactly. So this is Happily Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm having a really important conversation about intimacy and, and women, specifically women's intimate health, with women's intimate health expert, Dr. Carolyn DeLucia. And what I want you to know is that intimacy of all kinds, physical, emotional, intellectual, is so important to a good marriage. And it takes time and attention to stay connected. And if you and your partner aren't being as intimate as you would like, there are things that you can do, actions that you can take to make it better. And if you want to know how, then I invite you to give me a call or send me an email and schedule your free no-obligation discovery session. You can reach me by email at leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com, that's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, N as in Nancy, C as in charlie.com, or you can reach me by phone at area code 919-924-0463, that's 919-924-0463, and I want to get back to talking to Dr. DeLucia about this very important topic. So, Carolyn, one of the things that I hear all the time is that men are just hound dogs. All they want to do is have sex. Now, I'm hearing this from women, not necessarily from men, um, because I know that men want to feel that intimate connection with their wives. Sex just happens to be a fun, feel-good way to get there. But what is it that you have learned that men really need to know about how women work? The most important aspect there is that foreplay begins in the morning. And mm. if you want her to be a tiger in the bedroom at night, you unfortunately with women, it's how we feel all day long. And mm. I feel as though a very, very important takeaway here is that if you have a fight if you have an issue with the children get it out of the way and get back to loving each other and making sure that each of you knows how special you are to the other and when that happens take a few seconds look each other directly in the eye if you have to count to ten before you say a word do that mm-hmm. and reconnect soul to soul, and then things are going to get stirring because you do love each other and intimacy is a beautiful way 
to make that connection. But being kind to each other, being sensitive to who the other person is all day long will bring that intimacy to the relationship. And, you know, and, and I love that because it isn't, I mean, I think a lot of people, both men and women, think foreplay is only the physical actions that are taken to get both people, but more specifically women, prepared mm-hmm. for sex. And Correct. That, that isn't what it is. I, I just, I, um, Esther Perel just did this work, you know, this seven-day um, I, it wasn't exactly a challenge, but I guess we could call it that, where she was talking mm-hmm. about that foreplay meant for play, right? <laughs> that you, that yes. you, you have this, this playfulness, you have this connection, which, of course, many of us did when we were mm-hmm. dating and what I call BC before children. Um, yes. You know, and, but, some, but, we, but we lose that because we get so caught up in the day-to-day, you know, that, that sex just becomes another thing on the to-do list, which, of course, that doesn't sound very attractive to anybody, I don't think. That's correct. That's correct. You have to make it meaningful. And when you do and you take those few, it doesn't take long. And right. the other one little takeaway is to, for both partners, don't let exhaustion be a reason not to be intimate as well. How long does it really take? If you know each other super well, it could be five minutes. Or the long, you know, the quicker, quickest, or the longest quickie would be 15 minutes. You can do Uh anything for 15 minutes. (laughs) So don't let exhaustion when you just say, Day after day after day, don't let that be your excuse to let a wedge come between you and your partner. Fifteen minutes will bring you closer together and make you both feel so much better and sleep even deeper. Well, and and you said something um, earlier about you know, foreplay starts in the morning. It's the way you interact with each other all day, and you know it doesn't. It doesn't take long to send somebody, I mean, especially now we're connected all the time, you know, a, 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 little, a little intimate text, right? Thinking about you, can't wait to see you when I get home or whatever, I mean, or whatever it might be because, yeah. I, you know, because again, one of the things that um, I know is that, you know, women, women aren't like light switches. You can't, well, you, we're slow to turn on, although, although you can turn us off with a light switch. When we hear the baby cry, that's it. We're done. <laughs> Whatever we're doing, stop. Um, yeah. But, but, you know, but it, it's jarring, I think, to, to not have any contact or, minimal, you know, or, or what I call practical contact with somebody all day long, and then suddenly we're supposed to be, you know, having one of those wonderful rolling around in the sheets moments. And it's like, you know, so I think people are disconnected from what works, even though once upon a time they probably knew when they first got together. That's right. And, and that's why I try to give that hint of making that connection again, whatever it takes. Uh, another trick is before leaving each other, 
make it a point to kiss not a five, a, like a second peck, but make right. it a 10 second kiss. And that, again, will release some oxytocin and maybe some endorphin and get you thinking about later. I think that that's always a good way to part and it just stirs something up and then during the day that little text following the kiss is a beautiful way to ignite a better intimate moment later. Well, and, and, and I love that idea of, you know, and we know from studies that, that um, have been done about couples who, who've done therapy counseling and what makes what they've learned in, in those experiences stick. And it's what you do when you first see each other in the morning, how you leave each other, how you mm-hmm. come back together, and what you do right before you go to sleep. So if you took those, that 10-second kiss that you're talking about, at each mm-hmm. one of those moments, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just thinking that if you had that ritual, you couldn't actually stay mad at each other. That's right. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, I do, it's pretty powerful. I do, think that, I do think that couples need to be able to have time where they could talk about issues and things that are bothering them, but but I think they would do so, one, more easily, and two, more productively if they actually had this connection. Am, does that make sense? Am I right about that? 100%. Absolutely. Because you, the whole thing is having that feeling inside that you truly love this person will help you be much more understanding of whatever situation has gotten you upset. And when both people feel safe, that's very critical in a a connection as humans, is feeling safe and feeling heard and feeling understood. And when you have an intimate relationship that has that sexual connection and bond, that's a very strong foundation for anything else that will come. I, I do want to touch on w- one more um, physiological topic that just popped into my head because I've actually actually have actually had a man say to me one day that he didn't believe that PMS existed. And <laughs> like going, oh, okay, um, yeah. Um, so how how common is PMS or or the worst part, you know, PMDD, which is a very horrible um, version of PMS. Yeah. And what, what can both the, the man and the woman, how can they handle that better? Well, if a woman is not using any hormonal birth control, which so many young women do, and that masks mm-hmm. the signs of PMS mm-hmm. for the most part, not in everyone. Right. But uh, should she not be on a hormonal type of of birth control, she will cycle, which means that mid-cycle, there will be a peak of both estrogen and progesterone. And progesterone is only produced once the egg is released. And while that is maintained, that high level of progesterone maintained, that's my bird, I apologize. Um, (laughs) But 
<laughs> he thinks we sound wonderful. But when you maintain that progesterone for the second half of the, of the cycle, following ovulation, women will have emotional changes, breast soreness, bloating, more of a melancholy. It doesn't have to be full-blown depression unless it's PMDD. Uh-huh. And even constipation. And that's all hormonally related. And it's uncomfortable. And when women are feeling that way, emotionally they're going to be affected by just feeling yucky. And that's uh-huh. just the the best way to say it. You just kind of feel yucky. And when you feel that way, you're not going to feel very attractive. You're not going to be feeling particularly uh, interested in intimacy. Uh, And this is later in the cycle. Right Uh at ovulation is our most interesting time where there's a, a period of that elevation of estrogen where you do desire and that's when women are most uh, likely to initiate. But those hormonal changes are very dramatic and once bleeding begins, it's like a switch and women begin to feel instantly better. And, uh-huh. and when that's evident, then you, as a woman, you have to keep track of the cycle and understand yourself first mm-hmm. and then be able to relay that to your partner if it's happening and say, please forgive me. Uh, you're the closest person to me. You're going to get the brunt of this. I'm, I don't know how to control it. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, this is, mm-hmm. and this is what happens. Uh, I happen to be one of those women who suffered that way with PMS. And I remember one day, shouting at my children and (laughs) then I I was in the restroom and I looked myself in the mirror and said what was that about why did you shout at them and I peeked around the corner and they're looking at each other shrugging their shoulders you do something I don't know what I did you (laughs) right well and And that was I had to apologize to them Mm. you know and, and, and to me, that's so important because, you know, these, these things happen and, and, you know, hormones are real. Hormone fluctuations are real. They have lots of physical effects. Um, mm-hmm. And each woman is slightly different because, you Correct. know, I mean, and, and by the way, that also changes what feels good um, at any time physically during the month. And so... You know, I think sometimes I think men just get so confused because, well, last time it was okay for me to touch you there, and now, you know. Exactly. Yeah, but but it's, it's the taking ownership and, yes. and recognizing, because one of the things that I tell people if they have PMS or, you know, I said, okay, so track what it is, and when you know that it's that stressful week for you, mm-hmm. Don't add anything extra to that. I mean, you know, don't, I mean, whatever you can because, because we will get overloaded. And like you said, we generally will tend to take it out on the people who are closest to us because we have been taken over by an alien at that point in time. And, you know, but if we can own it and what I call manage it and then, like you said, 
if I've done something inappropriate, be willing to apologize, not just, well, you knew that was my time. No, no, no. I'm responsible for my own behavior. And, and if I have, you know, treated somebody poorly, then I need to own that. And then, yes. and then hopefully that means that the people around me will have, will give me grace and you know, be, be a little yes. bit more forgiving. Um, yes. But so if, what would be your number one recommendation? Here, I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> uh, about, you know, how, how each partner, both, both, the, both the husband and the wife, the man and the woman, can take ownership of their own, their own and the couple's intimacy health. It's communication. There's no doubt. I don't even have to think a second. It's communication. Don't be afraid to say what works and what doesn't and what feels good and what doesn't. And when you share that, it can only make things much, much stronger as a connection. What women have to realize is that we know when a man is, sexually satisfied or meet, meet, reaches orgasm, right? There's, uh-huh. an ed, right? there's a telltale sign. Women don't always have that. And for the gentleman, it's very frustrating unless you make it clear to him that he has satisfied you. A good man wants to make you feel good and happy uh-huh. and involved as well. And it's frustrating for them not having a clear sign. That also leads to the fact that you don't want to fake it. Because if right. you are faking reaching an orgasm, he'll never know when he really accomplishes it. And that'll only frustrate you more in the end. So right. being open and forward and communicating what works and what doesn't. What's fun? What fantasies do you have? What would you want me to wear something sexy? Would you want me to wear a costume? Whatever Uh it is, if it's not too extreme and it's okay for both of you, do it. It's fun. Sounds good to me. So, Carolyn, can you please tell people where they can find more information, both from you and about intimacy health in general? Absolutely. The uh, way to reach me by phone, my office is 1-646-964-4898. And also, you can reach me at see our website at www.drcarolindelucia.com. And you could also download uh, my free book at www.ultimateintimacy.net. And it's free. It's a quick read. What it, It's about 100 pages. It just explains procedures that are available and how to reach me to help you find a doctor in your area who could 
help you with all of these intimate issues that seem to be so taboo but should not be, need to be spoken about and treated to keep us all closer. Well, and I think we've done a good job of that today because people, real intimacy, not just sex, is what most of us want. But in order to have it, you need to know how it works then you have to be willing to take ownership of your part in making it happen for you and your spouse. And I think today you've probably gotten some great ideas about how to do this. So I'm going to tell you, the ball's in your court. And um, hopefully you'll keep listening to the show. And until next week, stay loving. Stay loving.